Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. say that season two is going to be absolutely incredible because in season two i have a co-host co-host say hello hello that's caroline she's now my co-host so season two of shareable is going to be a little bit different we're still talking about people and technology but we're going to go a little bit deeper a master class so grab your favorite pen and your favorite piece of paper and get ready to take some notes because this is shareable Hello and welcome back to Shareable. My name's Jeff Gibbard and with me is my co-host. Caroline, hello. You can't see it, but she just made like a really cute face when she did that. The little hands under the chin. like there's an emoji for that. (laughs) That's really adorable. Um, Well, before we get into today's episode, I just want to once again thank you, our audience, for listening, for sharing our episodes, for supporting us. We're loving watching those download numbers go up and up and up and uh, staying on the the top of the business list uh, on Overcast. So for all of our Overcast subscribers especially, thank you for all the times you hit that star button. And if you're an Overcast listener and you haven't hit that star button, what you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? that You should be hitting the star button, please. Um, (laughs) Also, we all – we love reviews and and feedback, so always feel free to tweet us and and say hello and all the things that we say at the end that Caroline says at the end. We we appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now that we've gotten that out of the way, that very Mm -hmm. important thing out of the way, today – we have a very exciting guest. And I say that at the beginning of a lot of our episodes because we get really freaking exciting guests. All of our guests. guests are excited. Yo, season two has been fire. <laughs> season two has been As lit. the kid. I, I stole it right. I am right sorry. You look mouth. so mad. <laughs> I was really just about to say it. But, you know, I'm just going to. Season two has been lit, as the kids would say. Uh, today, we have a guest, Steve Benson. Steve, hi. Hey. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm so glad we got to have you on the show and that we got connected and that we got, um, thankfully, in the midst of what, what has been a crazy day for me. I'm really excited we got a little bit of a chance to, to chat before this episode kicked off and talk about dogs and fun stuff and mentorship and, and a lot of the exciting stuff we're going to talk about today. So thanks for setting aside the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. Cool. So let's start off with um, the, the probably the most important part. Uh, who are you and what do you do? Feel free to humble brag. Talk about yourself. All right. So, uh, so I'm Steve Benson and, uh, I am the CEO and, and, uh, founder of Badger Maps, which is a, it, it's an application that, that helps field salespeople be more productive that, that they use on their phone. Um, who am I? I'm, uh, I live in San Francisco. I own a Pomeranian, um, That'll be going in the show notes, by the way. It wears glasses. (laughs) It wears glasses. I repeat, glasses. Sometimes close. (laughs) Sometimes close. Uh, He does. He he does have a a strong Instagram following. He's 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 a very very attractive animal. He's a high influencer in the field. It's going to be the most exciting part of this entire episode. No matter how good it is, your dog with glasses. It, that's just amazing. Anyway, show, I'm sorry. Showstopper. We, yeah, showstopper. We literally just stopped the show for it. But anyway, so you are – you live in San Francisco. You have an adorable Pomeranian that wears glasses. And? <laughs> and I, I run this software company that helps uh, that helps field sales guys. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much me in a nutshell. That is super cool, man. How long have you been in San Fran? Were you uh, – and, and, and are you like a native? And the fact that I said San Fran, does that upset you? <laughs> Um, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not easily upset by such things. Uh, the, uh, I actually, I grew up in Chicago. 
Um, and, uh, and and you could say you could call that Chi Town. That also would not upset me. It's outstanding. Um, I almost did that. But- <laughs> I literally was thinking, do I call it that? Is it going to be upset? Me? Is that too much? Is Bean Town um, better, or is that Boston? That's Boston. That's Boston. <laughs> to, to, call it, I just call it to, Bean Town. To, to, to Bostoners, like they don't. Bean, call, that's not a thing. Bean Town is a thing. They just call it Bean Town. Yeah, am I? I I'm right about that, right? Yeah, I think it's a thing. Oh yeah, but Chicago God. is not Beantown. I, I know got that they have beans. I didn't know it was called Beantown. Well, everywhere is beans. <laughs> okay, so you, you wouldn't be upset. So you're a native Chicagoan. Um, I am, yeah. And I moved out here after college. I, I went to the University of Wisconsin, which is also Badgers. That's the name of this yep, company, Badger. Um, and uh, then I came out here. I went to business school out here. Then uh, I went to IBM after business school, and then I went to a software company called Autonomy after that, and then I went to a, uh, a startup called Google after that. And, uh, I'm sorry. How do you spell what, that? I want to make that? sure we get that in the show it, notes. Uh, it's with a, capital, with a U or two O's? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I was there for a little while, like uh, maybe I guess four years at Google, and then after that I started Badger, and that was 2012. And uh, so about six years ago, the company's almost six years old now, and I guess uh, we, we kind of set out with a, a mission to help field salespeople perform better. Uh, they've got, there's a lot of annoying, difficult parts of, uh, of being a field salesperson, that, that busy worky type things that we, we felt that we could do in an automated fashion, and, and that's what we set out to do, and that's what we've done. So now it's, a, cool. it's still a small company. There's like you know, 50 people here. Um, and we're uh, we're growing fast and having fun. That's awesome. And, so you got uh, about fifty people story. as a headcount. What's uh what what's kind of like the the style of your company? You kind of got a flat management thing going on. Open office for all those millennials. <laughs> it is it is an open office. Although you know we're, we we struggle with the open office. We love it. We hate it. We love it. We hate it. Um, it's got some it's got advantages and disadvantages. I think you know, office space in general is tough to come by in San Francisco, and, and we've got offices in San Francisco and Utah and, and Spain and the Philippines. Wow. And, uh, we, we like a lot of offices. We collect offices. <laughs> yeah. but, can we uh, do that? But, we can start collecting offices, yeah, right, Jeff? Collect them like speaker badges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we like the open office style, but we, we also would like to have some privacy and, and more opportunities for privacy. So I think in our, when, in the future, we're, we're going to be upgrading our, uh, this is in particular a problem on the sales side, so it's less of a problem. The, the engineers lo- like they like the open office policy as long as they have enough rooms to duck into for meetings and stuff. But the sales on the, on the sales teams and the customer success teams, they're I think they're finding that the open office is a little noisy. So in mm-hmm. the future, we're going to try to have more like walls and cubicles or something to to kind of absorb some of that noise. That's reasonable. You know, on a completely tangential note, I think cubicle sounds like something that should be cute because it has the ickles at the end, like icicles. Right. And, but cubicles are anything but cute. That's that's just a quick aside I had there. Yeah. Well, there's there's thing there's things that suck that uh, that that are that are ickles like uh, tentacles. That was a good. That I don't was a know. Good answer. I don't know. I kind of dig them when I cute. calamari. Not cute. Not cute. tasty. Agreed. Tasty. Not cute. Yeah. And cubicles are not tasty. <laughs> Well, anyway, yeah, I don't know where that was going. But, um, you know, before we got on this, we started talking about the idea of superpowers and how everybody has some superpowers. And you have a particular superpower about how you deal with your people. So uh, we brought you on because we wanted to talk about a couple of things today. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where do you want to take this episode? Who do we want to 
help today and what do we want to talk to him a little bit about? What are we going to show people about that is partly your superpower? Um, well, I, I don't know if I call this a superpower, but I, I spent a lot of time. <laughs> I love superheroes. I love comics. So that's what we're calling it. That's well, how shareable maybe, works. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get, uh, you know, a, a stretchy onesie and get and a cape and we'll, we'll have some fun with this. It's almost Halloween. Let's I, go. I can't believe you don't have one already, but I, we'll send you I, one I after do, the show. I, that would be amazing. Actually. <laughs> the, the, so I guess the, the, I spent a lot of time thinking about career development and, and kind of growing young people, or I guess, I mean, any, any, you could, you could use these frameworks at any point in your career, but I, I, they're especially useful when you're starting out and starting to make decisions about your career path. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time working with, you know, people in their early twenties or even late twenties that, that helping them kind of pick their path in, in, in their career and, and figure out what the best direction for them is and, and where they fit in and, and how to kind of, kind of have a, a most rewarding career for them individually and, and, and figuring, figuring out what directions they want to go. So I, I think that's, that's the, the superpower that we were supposed to d- discuss today was kind of, and I think hopefully it'll be interesting to your audience to hear kind of the, the approaches that I take to do this and kind of how I think about it. Yeah, I'm super excited because uh, when we spoke on the phone originally, you, you walked me through this process of how you how you help your your prospects and your your new employees go through that journey of figuring out where they're best suited in a company. And we, we talked a little bit about how they move around, but I'm really excited to go through that with you. But before we get into that, what is one thing that you think uh, most most of those new twenty something employees kind of get wrong right off the bat? in their their journey to their ideal career before you answer that though before you answer that i just want to i also just want to kind of uh reset the the foundation that we're walking on right now so yeah go for for the for the listeners right now the the people who i think this audience is probably going to be most valuable for there's two different audiences and correct me if i'm wrong here steve but i think one audience is going to be people at a point in their career where they're thinking about what they want to do with their career. So these could be people in their early 20s. It could be people later in their career that are trying to decide where to go. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the the framework that we're going to be walking through, if I, if I understand it correctly, is going to be helpful for people that are in leadership and management roles and that are, are quote-unquote people's bosses to help better be able to develop the talent underneath of them and help put them in a position where they're in the best chance to succeed. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very accurate. Okay, good. I just like to reset that so that everybody knows yeah, who, who we're who we're <laughs> talking to, uh, and and you know what we're going to be showing them about. So, you know, there's kind of two sides of this, which is that um, we, we like to start out by talking about mistakes. You know, what are some things that people do wrong going into? This? So, as as a young job seeker, as somebody going into their career, what's something that you think people often don't pay enough attention to and don't give enough credit to? And then kind of on the flip side from from where you're coming from, your vantage point of growing people, if you were in a leadership role, what's one of the mistakes you might make that would inhibit somebody's ability to grow into the right role? Okay. Um, so – And I can I reiterate guess- any of those at any point if you want to just take them one by one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to juggle, I'm trying to frame, set this up. So, uh, first, what what do what do people get wrong as they start out their career? I, I think I think they get a lot of things wrong, and it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's their fault. I, I think that there's a big disconnect between the education system, certainly in America and probably in a lot of places in the world, um, between what we're teaching people and what the job market is going to be asking of them. Um, you know, we're we make them a history major and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a history major. History is very, we can learn from history and, and we, uh, it's, it's bad when we don't, but, um, 
a lot of kids aren't in college to learn history. They're in college in learning because they want to be gainfully employed mm-hmm. and, and being, you know, in their history major, they, they're never, they're never encouraged to connect that to what career they're going to have. I think, I think it, academia has kind of is focusing on creating more academics, but a very small percentage of the people that go through that system are actually going to go into a career in academia. I don't know what percent, you know, 2% or something are going to end up being college professors someday of the, you know, incoming class of, you know, 20, 2017 of college. But, but that, I feel like that's really what, it, what colleges are kind of prepping them for. And maybe that's because that's what they know, but, but people coming out of school often have a difficult time connecting. What have I been learning and what, what have I kind of trained my brain for the last four years? How, how is that going to convert into gainful employment in, in the world. What, what job should I do? What am I good at? What do I like doing? What are the jobs? And, and sometimes the answer is obvious, right? They were an accounting major and they want to be an accountant or they were a computer science major and they're going into computer science and coding. But for a lot of people, it, you know, I, and I guess I would call those like a trade type major, but a lot yeah. of people don't have a trade major. More like the liberal arts is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Some of those are yeah. like, well, what, what is the career path here? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And, and for most people, you know, for, or for a lot of people, a career is something in, in commerce and business, right? You're, you're, you're joining a company, something that, you know, it, it pays you because it makes money to pay you and, and not to discount the, you know, the importance of nonprofits and education and everything else in our economy. But most people get some kind of job in, in, in something that would, you know, is a for, is a, is a for-profit organization and, uh, you know, exists to, you know, to, to do business. Um, I, I think that we're not doing a great job of connecting what the business world is asking for out of people and what, what they're being taught in school. Yeah, I can totally vouch for that as somebody who's a recent grad. I remember um, writing a, a few of the first blog posts that I wrote for True Voice Media's blog and having to sit there with Jeff and go over and over and over each revision saying, Caroline, you need to throw out the therefores and the the furthermores. He was like, you need to throw out the way that you've been taught to write in school because that's not the way that we write into this company. So I oh, had that, to retrain my brain to do this new form of copywriting. Well, they were training you to be an academic writer, to be exactly. argumentative, to use big words. And exactly. we can't, we don't use big words. We don't, <laughs> we don't argue. We persuade. We, we, you know, we, we, we try to, we, we make things understandable and memorable as opposed <laughs> to, you know, ri- written in a form to sound smart. Um, you know, nobody cares who the smartest person in the room is. What what they care about is understanding what they're trying to understand from you. And it, it, so they're def think that's a great example. And and that's you know they they're they're training you in a way that is not useful to us. Even though you know most people are in, end up working for a company as opposed to going into academia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so um, let me then take you to that to the next piece of it which is okay so we we have this academic system in which you have students that are coming out maybe with degrees that don't necessarily translate towards position. They come out and they're looking for internships, they're looking for jobs, and maybe they get uh, an entry-level position or maybe they you know find their way into a position where they feel like they can grow into it and they have a leader, they have a manager and that manager Looks at this person with a history degree, let's say, not again, not to pick on history, but you know, I think it's a good example because it, it doesn't necessarily translate like accounting or computer science or some of the more right. you know, kind of trade specific, like you mentioned. What what does that leader generally get wrong to not get the best out of that person? Well, 
so they they just hire them into a role, right? Like so, they they the leader opens up a job. Oh, I have a job. I have a, a, an opening in HR. I have an opening in marketing. I have an opening in sales. They they post the job. People apply to that job, and they put them in that role. And it there's no thought around was that the right role for this person or were they just applying for any job that they could get because they needed you know to work and stuff uh and there what what i try to do and and what i think leaders should try to do is look at the person and figure out is this person a good fit for this organization or it, it, and then after that help that person understand what all the different jobs are what are the what are the uh, what are the roles, and um, and and then try to figure out which of these roles these the, each one of these jobs is made up of a set of activities, and which of these activities are you gonna is, is this person gonna enjoy, and which of which of them will will they be good at or can so. You know, if you're hiring someone into sales, if they don't really love talking to people on the phone, if that's tiring for them and kind of a drag, they're not going to if, – if it's a phone sales job, that's going to be a real problem. But you, you, know, the, you could ask them in an interview, how do you feel about spending a bunch of time on the phone every day? And they're going to say, great. I feel great about that. I love talking on the phone. When really, you know, you could if you took if, – if you stepped back and took the time to really understand what will this person really enjoy? What will they really be good at? And let me line that up with with a role at our company that's going to be a good fit for them. Um, I think that the and, and this takes a lot more work, right? It's it, and it, there we're able to do it because we we have this intern program and because even we when I hire people straight out of college or, or when they're young into the company. I I, I try to I try to rethink where they should be on a you know and, and make sure we've got them on the right path. Uh, with this with this kind of framework because and people end up way happier because they end up doing something and you're either zooming them in on a certain area of the of the job or you're or you're moving them to, to a different type of path but um by by giving thought to what they're really going to be good at and really enjoy and really be a good fit for them then when you get them into that role that really is the right role they thrive and and that's why it's so important if you're in a leader, leadership position to think about this stuff, because the, these the kids coming out of school they don't they haven't they haven't been given the tools to understand the jobs that exist. You you as the manager you know what the jobs are. You know what someone in marketing is in a content marketing role is doing all day. You know what someone in a marketing analytics role is doing all day. You know what what one of your you know one of your account executives is doing all day, but they don't actually necessarily coming out of school, understand what these jobs are, what the activities associated with these jobs are. And they frankly don't even know if they're going to be, if they don't know if they're going to enjoy those activities and they don't know if they're going to be good at those activities. So you kind of have to, you, you kind of have to bring them in and, and try on all these different pairs of shoes and see, see what works for them. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously the elephant in the room of this, this works in certain circumstances and obviously doesn't in the circumstance of like, let's say you need an accountant. You can't just bring somebody in and say, Hey, do, do you like accounting? So, yeah. um, so, but I, but I, think, sure. th but I wanted to address that because I think what we're discussing here is not just like, if you're hiring for a job and you have an open job, you know, just kind of putting out the open call, bringing someone in, seeing if you like them and, and then moving them around your company makes sense. I think this is mm -hmm. obviously just for, for the listener's benefit. If you're in a leadership role, this is more about when you get young talent that's coming into your company. 
and you're you're trying to have them fill in an entry-level role where they do have the ability to kind of carve out where they're going to take their career with your company, it's essential that you start to ask those really good questions to find out what they're motivated by, what they're interested in, what their, what their interests are, because that's going to help you get to your point. They're going to be happier in their job and likely more motivated, and you'll probably wind up building somebody in that company who's going to be a much... Uh, much more valuable contributor. Yeah. And it, and for for the listeners that are young people, I think it's really important to, to think about career paths in, in terms of this framework. Will, will I enjoy the, what are, this job that I'm talking about? What are the activities that, that actually make up that job? Like what the hours that I'm spending in the day, what, what are they? And do, would I enjoy those activities and would I be good at them? Uh, a, my my favorite example of this is lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that if if twenty two year olds that were con- twenty three year olds that were considering law school stopped for a second and said, "How do I feel about the prospect of sitting in a room alone all day every day for like you know I don't know ten twelve hours, um, reading and writing really complex things." Like things that were written in a dense way, it's you know complicated things. It's it's uh, it's poetry of, uh, of of legal poetry, if you will. Hard mm-hmm. stuff to learn, to hard stuff yeah. to read. Legalese, legalese. Like how do I how do I feel about the prospect of doing that? I'm I'm going to go sit in this room all day, stare at my computer screen, and write and read these hard things. Yep. How does that act? That, that's what, that's what m- the vast majority of lawyers do. They don't actually like argue in front of. Yeah. And, and, and right now there's but, probably some very entrepreneurial lawyer who's out there right now. Who's thinking, well, I go out and I meet a lot of different people and yada, yada. And, and while that is the case, I, I think if you look at the progress to even get to the point where you are that kind of entrepreneurial lawyer, you're probably spending a lot of time reviewing documents, writing documents, uh, just spending a, a tremendous amount of time in front of and paper. And if that's something you enjoy, that's teach fine. Their own, yeah, but, but, but I think that's a really yeah. great example because yeah. I think people a lot of people i know they're like oh i'm going to go to law school i'm like why and they're like well lawyers get paid really well and you're like well <laughs> right. are, like what happens when you invest you know 70 80 100,000 dollars in going to law school you get a year try, and a half try, into it try and you a hate quarter it. of a million <laughs> yeah right and then you come out and you're like i hate this i don't like doing this so yeah. uh, let me ask you this are you a fan of the kind of informational interview um approach for younger people that are going into their career of you know i think i want to be uh this Maybe go sit down and talk with somebody who does that and talk to them oh, about what absolutely. their day-to-day like looks like, yeah, right? That, that is like – that huge piece of advice for young people who are trying to figure this stuff out is is just ask for these informational interviews with people that – and even if it's just within a company, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you just talk to – if you have contacts at a com- company in kind of an industry that you're interested in and you know, you, you can – that person can introduce you to – people that are in these different roles and kind of give you a quick breakdown of them, but focus on what do you actually, what does a day in the life look like? What do you, what do you do all day and envision yourself doing that? And that's, and, and I, I see, I, I really believe that like if, if people did that, they would, re, they would end up in very different jobs. And, and a lot of people, what happens is they end up at a job that they're good at and there is a job in it, but they don't actually enjoy the activity associated with that. And, and, and I'm not saying that nobody likes to be a lawyer or an accountant, or, but there are a lot of lawyers and accountants that are really good at what they do. They're deeply educated in what they do. They studied for years. They're certified. And there are, of, there are plenty of jobs in being a lawyer and being an accountant, but they don't actually enjoy the activity that makes up being an accountant mm-hmm. or makes up a, a day in the life of a lawyer. And that's, that's 
I, I think that's a classic role of I chose this career because it's prestigious. I chose this career because it pays well. It's smart. I chose this it's career a smart my, choice. Yeah, my my mom thought it was a great idea. My dad was <laughs> proud of me for getting into law school. Um, I I don't I didn't want to do math, so business school sounded like a bad idea. <laughs> and now I'm a quarter million bucks in in the hole and and uh, graduating from law school and. Now I've got a, law, a job in law, and now I'm sitting here wondering: Is this really what I, I? I'm just supposed to sit right here and 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 read this stuff and write this stuff? This this is not what I like. I like to talk to people, or I like <laughs> to make stuff, or I like to think, you know, wh- whatever it is. The the I think that's great advice to if you think you want to be a, a a whatever, find out, hang out with some whatevers and who do that <laughs> who do yeah. that job, and and cuddle up to them and, and see what a day in the life truly is. Yeah, I, I totally abide by that. I actually wrote one of my favorite posts that I've ever written in the thousands of blog posts I've written. It was called How to Find Your True Love and Die Happy. And it's a, a blog post about finding the ideal job for yourself in in the context of writing as if you're finding your life partner. That it's basically a series of trial and error of trying something but going after something that you think you'd be good at, learning about it, and then pivoting and adjusting along the way to, to eventually find that. Um, I, I, I think one of the most poignant kind of eye-opening experiences I had in recent years was I was uh, was at a uh, barbecue with a friend of mine and um, he had a friend over and, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I, I love what I do and I'm extremely open and passionate about this. I wound up getting into a conversation with a guy who has just like this nine to five job and he was like, I couldn't imagine doing what you do. He's like, I just want to go to work. I don't really care if I like what I do. I just want to get home and spend time with my wife and my kids. And it was it was about as foreign of a concept as I had ever heard, this idea that you don't have to absolutely love what you do. But I, I, I think to the to those out there who are thinking, I really do want to have a career that I'm very passionate about where I enjoy what I do, I think your your points are extremely should be very well taken, that it's important to really think about where you think you can make an impact, where you think you can uh, enjoy the the sort of day to day work, but also talking to people who do that. Yeah, understanding the job. I mean, and 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 schools aren't teaching kids, and it's so it's not their fault. I mean, they don't. A lot of kids don't have don't have guidance in these areas. I mean, I I didn't know what a business career was when I started. I mean, my my parents weren't in business, and you know, my mom's a teacher, my dad's a lawyer. Like they, they, you know, I, I. I don't. I don't think I will. I didn't understand very well that if what what these different jobs were when I when I and I was already way far down the path. I, I kind of lucked out. It ended up being a really good. I, I found a really good fit for myself. But I, I think a lot of people don't have the mentorship and don't and, and you don't learn it in school. Um, so I think that um, that's kind of uh, that it. If you can take the time, I think everyone should take the time and give it some real, some some real thought. Yeah, yeah, I can also totally vouch for that. I like had I had a I was lucky. I had a an interest in my career very early because I just had some. I don't know if this is like an older sibling thing, but you just have this like sense of immediate urgency. You're like, if I don't figure out how to do this, no one else will. It's my parents yeah. have no clue, and my sister has no clue. So I've got to mm-hmm. do it. So I've, I've always been really, really interested in my career development, and I was lucky enough to just sort of come across other people in my very beginning stages of college that sort of showed me around. Like I had a friend who was a senior, and he was sort of walking me through the writing resume process, and he introduced mm-hmm. me to the Career Center at Stockton, and that was something I spent a lot of time in uh, understanding. So I sort of had the tools to go out there and can do informational interviews. And I think I did one or two and it actually led to a job. So 
I definitely recommend moving forward with that. Um, Well, Steve, I want to pivot now to talking about the the leaders and how leaders can best can best position themselves to work with their young employees and maybe guide them. So because they're not getting this guidance and education in school and they may be coming out with a ton of debt and a major that doesn't have a natural career path, I want you to take us a bit through how you've been doing this in your company and how you work with younger employees to, you know, one, help them find out what their path might be, um, sure. start thinking about what training or materials they might need or, or you know, just how you go about that. So let's start at the very beginning. You get a brand new employee, comes in the door, um, you, you decide they really seem like they might mesh well with the culture. What are some of the first questions you might ask or first steps you might take to get yourself set up for this? So the first thing I do is I give them a survey that I that I wrote, and it's basically you know 20 or so questions, forcing them to make some choices between, to, well, to rate things, rate how much they like certain ideas or how attracted they are to certain types of activities. It's very activity based. So kind of think about, and everyone could make a you know could ask you just think about the the activities that you that you have at your company, like break down the different jobs into activities. And basically, just ask them, "How do you feel about doing this? How, you know, on a scale of one to five, how how exciting is it to do this? How how tiring do you think it would be on a scale of one to five to do this? If you had to choose on a scale of one to five between being um, creative and hardworking, uh, what would you what would you say you are? You can't pick three. Um, uh, how do you how interested are you in learning how to do you know this activity, this activity, this activity? And then you can take those that you can take the way they answer those questions and, and you can be a dork like me. I mean, I, I built an algorithm that runs, runs their answers through and, and uh, you know, using stats kind of filters them into jobs. But it, the more important thing is just to have, have their answers, have the questions and their answers and go through and, and have an honest discussion with them about, about it. And, and then, then you can kind of come up with uh you, you can come up. You can really understand where they're at and where where they'd be a good fit because you know your company, right? You know what the jobs are. You know what you're hiring for. And you can even do this. I, I'll do this in interviews. Like, cause if 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 I'm actually hiring for a PR role, obviously I you know I, I want to really kind of tease out how do they feel about these issues and how do they feel about this job and 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 you know it's tough for an interview because people aren't necessarily going to be truthful, but. A lot of times they will be, because especially if you kind of approach it from a, you know, I, I I want to figure out what what the best role is for you. And frankly, no, no one, a lot of times, no one's ever done this with them. Like, yep. you know, I'll, I'll have a half hour conversation with someone, and they're like, well, that, I mean, that just totally changed my whole career path and the way I think about this. And and uh, you know, it's 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 just, they've never they've never thought about it. They've never thought about their career path in, in terms of what, what activities that job is and do they enjoy it or not? And are they good at it or not? They've kind of just been, a lot of them have thought about it, their career path with, you know, how prestigious is this job? How much money does it make? Um, you know, it, do, am I qualified for it? Like that, that's the way they think about career paths. When really, if you think about it in terms of uh, these types of ways I'm structuring it. And, and there's characteristics too. There's personality characteristics that make some, that, that make someone good at a job or not. Like how, one of the questions I ask is how well, you know, compared to your peers on a scale of one to five, how well do you perform under stress and pressure? And a ton of people that are going into sales roles are like, yeah, not that well. Like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to be stressed or pressured. And it's like, well, then 
then you know get you, you you line up with this type of role this interacting type of role when interacting with customers role with a lot of things but if you don't like stress and pressure this is going to be a, a hard and a stressful job for you maybe what we should look at is customer success which is a very similar role except the person's already a customer and it's more about the relationship and keeping them happy and keeping them successful almost identical almost identical role one's not harder than the others than the other but but uh, in customer success it, it's the a lot of the pressure is just taken off because yeah, they're already I, a customer, right? Yeah, I mean, I love the way that you're doing that. It's it's interesting. Before um, before we got on here, Caroline was saying how much you and I are, are like kindred spirits, and and um, I'm gonna go and say maybe soul brothers. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I um, on our career opportunities page uh, for True Voice Media, we have a really unique application, and um, and I'm actually probably gonna make some changes as a result of the conversation we're having today. But uh, we ask a question which says which of these most describes you. And I give a bunch of different categories, jack of all trades, thinker, doer, artist, data geek, treasure hunter, and social butterfly. Mm. So, and I, and I describe them a little bit in each of them and I, I let them pick one. But what's interesting is that most people that apply are actually more than one of those. So like if I had to peg anybody in my company as being one of those things, it would be almost impossible. None of them are. They're all a little bit of each. So I kind of like this one to five scale. Um, but, yeah. you know, we make, do, make we pick, do a lot of those pick things. Pick between two. Be like, are you, are, are you on a scale of one to five, are you a social butterfly to a thinker? And here's the definitions of each of those. Yeah. And because then you're, you're, you're going to force, you, you, you can, by asking that in series, you can force them to actually stack rank the thing. Or you, you could also consider having them, you know, just say, I am most this to least this and, and stack rank the thing. So that would be yeah, cool exactly. I kind of dig the algorithm. Sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I, uh, just as a total aside, I have, uh, a, I have one question on our application that you would not believe how many people get wrong. It actually says, I can't believe how many applicants get this wrong, but it says pick the best cocktail from the list and it's oh my old fashioned <laughs> or something other than old fashioned. And I don't know how anyone cannot see that the answer to that is old fashioned. So if you're listening out there and you're thinking of applying, the answer is old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of them think it's like a choice of what drink they would prefer and they all pick something it's, other than old-fashioned. It's old incorrect. Fashioned. The best cocktail is the old-fashioned. It's the original. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, from, uh, I'm from the Midwest, so I, I have to agree. I mean, that's <laughs> that's good. Congratulations. You got the right answer right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, sorry for taking us way off track. So, so you ask these questions up front and you begin to um, – to ask them to rank themselves in different things. But let's also um, call it what it is. And, and a lot of young people in their career actually have ideas of what they think, but they haven't yet experienced it to realize that that, that might not be the truth, right? They might not actually want yeah. to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, what's, I, I what happens girl, next? I, this one girl I, I had in here, uh, she, was, she was the president of Berkeley's Marketing Club. Her major was marketing. All her previous internships were in marketing. And... I get her in here and I give her my little my little quiz and my little quiz is showing that she's interested in marketing, but it's also showing that she's interested in sales, and uh, and I've got it like I, I showed it and I show it to them right like it's it's heat mapped and so the 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 different jobs t- change colors it's you know conditional formatting right and <laughs> and uh, the it's just a Google Doc. It's it's not even it's it's not like a complicated. Oh, come on, don't you know, don't thing. tell us all the secrets to it. I, I in my <laughs> just head, building I'm, it right now. I'm picturing head. something really like complicated. If you tell me it's easy, I'm going to spend the next like all weekend building this. I'll, I'll he just will. give you mine. It's it's fine. <laughs> oh, <it's amazing>. um, <laughs> but but the yeah. uh, so so like this girl, she 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 comes in here and 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 we start her out doing marketing stuff and. Uh, 
and in a, a few weeks later, I see, you know, I, I see she's on the phones, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I know the phone's ringing, and I know, I know there's, there's a lot going on in sales, but hey, I know, we, I know that your, your path is marketing, and and uh, don't feel like you have to do anything in sales. Like you can just focus on the marketing stuff; it's fine. Um, and she's like, no, no, I, you know, I, I kind of like, I like, I like learning this, and it's, it's, it's important for me to learn and understand how to do it. It's a good, great life skill. Like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Whatever. Uh, circle back a few, you know, month and a half later, and, and she's just on the phone all the time. She's doing she's doing the sales internship. Like she's you know, <laughs> hasn't written anything in weeks. <laughs> no marketing. No, no. Like, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if someone's telling you to do this or, or, or did, did did the VP of sales get a hold of you? Like you don't you don't have to. You, you can do what you want to do, and you know, I. I I think your, your path is marketing. I thought, I thought we thought of it and that's what we talked about. And she's, she's like, no, I really, I really like this. This is a lot of fun. I just, I, there's something about just talking to people and kind of teaching them about the product and walking them through their process. I just, I really like this. I, I really like the, I really like that experience. And, uh, by the end of the, by the end of the, uh, the internship, she's like, yeah, I, I want a sales job next year when I graduate. I don't <laughs> want to do marketing anymore. And and she she'd done all she'd done all her prep work academically and, and everything else was was marketing, marketing, but she'd never actually done a lot of marketing and she hadn't thought about what else she might want to do. But when she I think when she saw the her results and we and we talked through like, well, I mean, this is why you're showing up as as interested in sales and marketing. You don't have to do sales, just it's you you would be it your characteristic set lines up with sales. You know, she, uh, the question around like she can deal with she can deal with pressure. She does not find it at all tiring to talk to people. She likes to be engaged. She likes interacting with with, with people. Like all, all all the questions that kind of lean you towards being in sales. She was she was positive on. So she was, you know, but it, it was really, it's it's an it's an instructive story to me because most had she not done this internship had she just gone. And she went and done one more internship at you know wherever, and then gotten a job out of out of Berkeley. They would have slotted her into marketing, and she never would have kind of explored outside of that path. And then, you know, ten years later, she's clearly a marketer. But that, you know, in my opinion, at this point, that is not her calling. Like that is not what she'll be happiest happiest with. That's not the activities she enjoyed the most. She's kind of bored by writing stuff, and and you know, put like. Putting together, putting together case studies and stuff. It was, it was kind of a, kind of a drag for her to do that, right? It yeah. was like, and, and she was good at it. Actually, she was good at both. I mean, she, she actually, could. She was, she is capable of either career path. But I, I think a lot of people end up at something they're good at, either because they're just naturally good at it, or because they taught themselves to be good at it, or they took classes at it, and there are jobs in it. But they don't enjoy the activity, and that's why I, I try to focus these guys in on. Here is this job. Here is the, the you know, five things that you're really doing in this job in terms of on a day to day basis. Think about if you let's try those out, do them, and then think about if you like them. Because if you don't, there's other jobs. There's other <laughs> stuff to do around here. Yeah. So so I want to recap that um, for the listeners. That kind of here's what the process sounds like it, it was so far. Uh, is that you kind of start out with those questions. What are you interested in? What do you think you're good at? Rate yourself on this, that, and the other thing. And you have an assessment that you've built for that. But even if you were just to do an inquiry with people, not at the level of sophistication you are, you get a better sense of what people are interested in and where they might fit. So then you explain to them, here are the different possibilities that I see there. And that opens up for them the idea 
of what they thought they would be good at and then also potentially some other opportunities of things that they could do. And then the yeah. next step looked like it was a follow-up. And and the, what I wanted to ask you about to be just a little bit more granular about is, is your process of follow-up. So you had kind of mentioned you saw her getting on the phone. You were like, well, you don't really need to do that. But then you saw her a month later and you're like, hey, you're still doing that. Is that like your thing? Like what's going on? Like how frequently are you checking in with people? What kind of questions are you asking them to see if they feel like they're on the right path? How much do you insert yourself into it to say, you know, what I'm seeing based upon what you're, you know, you're really crushing it at is like, you may, you may really be enjoying this thing, but like when you work in this thing, you're really effing good at it. Like what is your intervention follow-up process after you've asked them the questions, identified some path, laid it out for them, let them choose a bit and then check back in? Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't have like a formal, like, oh, check in in a month, but like, you know, I'm kind of always checking in with everybody and, and. And I, and I like to, I kind of view the world this, through this framework at this point. So, um, would you think, say that that's kind of your secret sauce and your ability <laughs> to do this? It, like that you, it, it's really a perspective of the way. So, you know, we like to kind of break these master classes down into like, you know, a step by step of like, first I do this mm -hmm. and then a month later I check in. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that this is your, your kind of hack to this, your way of approaching this is just that you're always looking for, being able to move that person into that ideal role. So you're kind of always being watchful for it. Yeah. And I, and I make, I, I, I provide the, the, we have the flexibility here, um, at least in the intern program, especially, but even amongst full-time employees, like it, it's kind of a twist on the Google 20% program that I picked up from them where it's like, Oh, I, you know, at Google just for background, all, all engineers are encouraged to spend 20% of their time on a project outside of what their normal thing is. And it's just, it's kind of like they, they like people to kind of dabble in different areas and a lot of their great ideas like Gmail and a bunch of other things came from the, the 20% program. Um, and I, I guess this is kind of a twist on that in that I, especially at, at it's for, I encourage the interns to get outside of their, outside of their, the area that I, that they were, that they're in, but, and to dabble a little in other areas um, and just to kind of go where they're attracted and, and, and check it out. But I, I do that with, with the full-time employees too. I like them to kind of, you know, oh, you're in sales, but you know, you can join this marketing project if it's interesting to you. Like, you know, if, if it's not, don't, but if you're, and, and the way I kind of facilitate that, I guess in terms of a how to is every Monday I have a meeting called the awesome meeting <laughs> and it's, it's, it's uh, OSIM. Oh shit. It's Monday. Um, and, uh, the, the awesome meeting lasts about 15 minutes. It's in the, it's on Monday afternoons after things have kind of settled down because we're, we're, you know, we're super busy on Monday mornings because field sales guys need to outline their week. And so they, that's when they're calling in and, you know, figuring they, they have a lot of questions that our customers do, but by Monday afternoons, things are cool and chill again. And, and, and so we have this awesome meeting and, uh, what it is, is everyone who's leading a project at the company talks about we just all stop and you know pencils down and we just all talk for 15 minutes and everyone who's leading a leading a project describes what what they're doing on the project this week where the product project's going what the project is uh, you know a five sentence maybe outline and if anyone's interested in any of those projects they can just jump on that project for forever for a week for whatever, you know, if they want to, if they want to kind of insert themselves because something's interesting to them. And when that does is kind of people, especially the interns end up being like, yeah, I am kind of interested in how demand generation works. I, that seems like a cool process. I'd love to hear about that. And I'm, let me just join this project and, and kind of, 
dabble around. And it's not necessarily efficient for us as a business, obviously, because like it's better to have people just focus on the thing that they're doing and the thing they're good at. It's going to be more efficient for the company. However, in the long term, it's ended up it's ended up taking people's career paths in different directions. Like someone someone that was in sales then ended up kind of moving to marketing and then eventually ended up focusing in, in PR. And, you know, she was great at sales. I, I wouldn't, I, if, and if I just walked up to her and asked her, Hey, do you want to switch from sales to PR? I think she would have said, no, no, no. I, I, I like what I'm doing. Like, but what happened was, you know, she dabbled in this one project and, and, uh, and then kind of just gravitated towards it. And so a lot of times it's happening without me even, I'm, I, I'm not always at the driving wheel kind of pushing or doing it. They're, they're, they're kind of moving themselves around the, the chess pieces are moving themselves around the board because I told them they can move. And, and, uh, and, and you, you, we end up getting some really great results and people that are really enjoy their, their job and are really excited about it. Cause it's almost like you, you help them find their, find their calling, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I think also that that system is going to help you, eventually reach efficiency because you're weeding people out based on what they don't like. So they're likely to be less productive. And once they sort of head into that career path, they're really invested in. I think that that definitely is going to increase that level of productivity. Yeah. And I I think that what I'm happy you did there is that you also called out that, you know, it isn't the most efficient thing in the beginning. And I think, you know, it, it should also be pretty evident for anybody listening that you do have a very particular type of company culture that allows for this, mm-hmm. supports it, and, and is actually thriving with it. What I what I kind of want to wrap the this idea of developing and growing your people on is a little bit of discussion around companies that aren't as free and open and connected as yours seems to be or as willing to take risks or um, any of that sort of stuff. I'm thinking, you know, the the companies where this is probably going to make the biggest impact are probably the ones in which um, maybe it's, maybe it is accounting firms, maybe it's, you know, law firms, maybe it's, it, I, but I think it's probably in those firms that are unwilling to change really from the status quo in the same way that, you know, a software startup might. So, um, what, what's some advice you might give to a company that may have a little bit more of a challenge in, in taking those risks of saying, Hey, just go work on this thing or, Hey, let's find something that you're really interested in versus what we need you to do. Um, I, I'd say start small. I mean, kind of guide people to, hey, I want uh, spend ten or twenty percent of your time in in on the if if you want on these different types of things and and try to you know, I, I guess just have having a venue, having a way that people can know what the other roles are and what the other possibilities are for their career, and then having a way for them to dabble in it, they'll they'll move themselves around and they'll they'll kind of. And, and, and just kind of communicating, I think that, Hey, this, I know you're, I know you're in content marketing right now, but maybe someday you should be in product management and I can totally see, I know that's a totally different track, but, um, the company supports you, you know, you could take this eight week product management class at night and, you know, next thing you know, and, and get the blocking tackling skills. You already know the product, you already know the company. You could make that transition if, if product management seemed like it was a much better fit for you than product marketing. And I'm not, I'm not here to say what the best fit for you is. I'm just here to shine lights on this is, this is this opportunity. This is this job and career path over here. Um, maybe dabble and, you know, be near that person who's doing it and you work on a project with them. See if you, see if you enjoy that activity. And I think also people get bored, right? Like if you're, 
I think even people that have been here for a while, like I've got, I've got people that spend half their time in sales and half their time in recruiting. I've got people that spend half their time in marketing, half their time in sales. And you know, that's for sure not efficient, right? Like it, but, but at the same time, it's great to have, it's great to have people on the marketing team that also understand the sales team really well. And so that, that gets, that, that gets the company benefit as well. And, and so, and you know, it, so I don't, I don't think that inefficiency hurts us that much. And, and it's really, you know, and, and I think that the, the people that people seeing that and knowing that they have the possibility, it makes them, and it allows them to dabble and, and see if the grass is actually greener on the other side of the fence. Right. Yeah, totally. I think it also creates investment in how well your other teams are doing too, because then you're interested in the success of that other thing in addition to what you're doing. Yeah, and, I, and just one final thing I'll, I'll leave as a thought there as well is that as a leader, it also can be to your benefit to say, you know, hey, we're looking to hire for this particular open role. That's an opportunity to actually go to some of your younger people and, and people in that, you know, anybody on your team really that, that you think, hey, maybe you might be interested in this if you see that that's a career path they might be interested in or if they just look like they're getting bored in their current role and now you're moving somebody around your company, giving them a 360-degree view of it and maybe bringing in someone new for that position that they were they were already holding. So I think that's another opportunity to, to kind of insert what you as the company want, not just kind of be, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's just, Hey, what is, what do you want to do? Let's do whatever you want here. Uh, there's also, uh, here's what we as the company need and, mm-hmm. and what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this has been absolutely fantastic. The, hopefully people listening to it are thinking a little bit about how they can grow and develop the younger people in their organization. Um, you know, I want to just thank you for the, the time you took to come here and talk about these things, take a step-by-step through it. Um, but now's the point in the show where, given that you've set aside this time for us, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what you're working on, where people can go and be social with you, connect with you, learn about your product, your services, maybe having you speak or whatever you're up to. Uh, so the the floor is yours. Talk to us about what you're working on. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm easy to find on, on LinkedIn, just, you know, search Steve Benson Badger. I'm, I'm sure I'll come up if you just Google me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the thing that re- the thing that we're really working on is, is helping field salespeople outside salespeople. So the, the kind of salesperson that goes out and meets with their customer face to face. And we've, we've created a whole bunch of tools and nifty little gadgets for, uh, for, for those guys that and it's, it's inexpensive stuff, you know, it's like either nine or 35 bucks a month, depending on what, what they're getting. And, uh, so if you know any field salespeople or outside salespeople, uh, definitely, uh, let them know that Badger Maps exists and, uh, and, and mention, mention the, uh, the shareable podcast here <laughs> and, uh, and we'll, we'll give them just whenever they, whenever they talk, have them, if they talk to our, when they're, when they like engage with our people and, and have our, our guys set it up for them. Um, just have them mention the shareable podcast and, and the, They'll throw in two months free. Whoa. Just, uh, oh, well, we'll put that in the show notes Heck for yeah, sure. Heck yeah, we will. Thank because, you. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, very cool. We'll, we're going to put some extensive show notes together for this. So those for those of you listening, make sure you check out the website, shareablepodcast.com, and you'll yeah, see totally. uh, this episode, and you will see all of the show notes from it along with links over to Badger Maps and everything else uh, Steve Benson related. Steve, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really do appreciate the time you set aside and just from one leader to another uh, who also likes to grow his people and put them in the right direction for what they're really interested in. Um, I appreciate that you're out there doing this. (laughs) 
Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And it's, it's great to, to meet you and Caroline. Yeah. Very cool. Well, for all of you out there listening, we appreciate your time, your attention. As always, please come back for more shareable episodes. We keep getting amazing guests uh, that are total fire. Uh, and this, uh, this season is totally lit. God, I'm so old. Um, Taught him all but, these things. Yeah. I learn everything from Caroline. Uh, I am no longer cool. Not at all. Uh, but we'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Uh, this episode was definitely a lot of fun. If I had to call it one thing, what would I call it, Caroline? Uh, shareable. Definitely. Yeah. There are a couple thank yous and shout outs in order. First, thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. And a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and A. Himitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jay Gibbard, and you can follow me at Caroline Tassone. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod and just shareable podcast on everything else. That's Facebook, the gram, everything. You can email us at sharablepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it. My mom does. Hey, mom. <laughs>